Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the PGA DraftCast brought to you by WindDailySports.com. Just a quick reminder that WindDaily Sports doesn't just cover golf. They cover the NFL, the NHL, MLB, NBA, soccer, MMA, NASCAR, you name the sport. WindDaily Sports has projection models, optimizers, articles, and our famous Discord chat to cover it all. Now, if you click the promo link below and you type in WinBig or Green, you will get one week free of WindDaily. And then after that, it is just $5.99 per week for all of that, including some of our betting content. Now, let's get to the PGA DraftCast, where we have proven track records with Joel, Spencer, David, and myself. Let's have some fun. Get in the chat. Make sure you subscribe to the page, and make sure you hit the like button. Let's do this snake draft. Let's do the PGA DraftCast. Let's do it right now. What the? I changed shirts in just one second. I can't believe it. I am a magic man and magic man indeed because the PGA DraftCast, we're at a different time. It's magical, six o'clock. But even more importantly, we've got Tom Jacobs with us. Now, every time we go across the pond, we got to bring in the big guns from across the pond. You probably know Tom Jacobs from the Lost Four Pod. You might know him from Mayo Media uh, Net. You might know him from a lot of other different places, Odds Checker. But he's here with us today, right now, on the Wind Daily Sports PGA DraftCast. Tom, thank you for joining us. How are you today? Yeah, really good. Thank you. Uh, thank you for the welcome. Thanks for having me on. Um, thank you for rolling back a little bit earlier so that a guy can, can join at 11 o'clock in the UK. So um, really looking forward to it. And uh, it's a great event to get started. Yeah, I can't wait. I'm so I'm so glad you're here. And we, of course, have D David Bielewski. So anybody who's not a Wind Daily member, uh, you wouldn't know this necessarily. But David puts in World Tour picks every single week whether it's dfs related or just outright picks and he's been dominant in that department just like tom has frankly so uh david obviously you know sometimes you're producing sometimes you're on the show with us we're always happy when you're on the show with us but uh spencer you just joined us how's everything going today after hitting sep struck at what, what was it 55 60 to 1 yeah i got him at 60 to 1 i, I feel a little bit uh you know obviously i had a massive take on thomas dietrich in detroit and I called Straka last week, pretty much the 2.0 version inside my model of what we got with Dietrich. Unfortunately, I didn't go as aggressive as I did with the Dietrich play, but I mean, anytime you can hit a 60 to one outright winner, that's a great thing. Had some placement bets on him. Um, thought he had given it away on 18 on Sunday. Yeah. Uh, that was not the greatest finish I've ever seen. I mean, I know he says that he was trying to just play to the center of the green, but he was, he missed his target by, so many yards that it was kind of brutal there, but you know, thankfully he was able to hold on obviously nice to kind of keep the run going that I feel like I've had recently with Wyndham Clark at a hundred at the U S open and then Straka last week at 60. Yeah, that's really strong. I, I got to tell you, I didn't know you had the Straka ticket uh, when it was happening. I had, and so I was really, really rooting against you because on 15, I put in a live bet on Alex Smalley because I thought, you know, like the way he was playing, and we know we had the 17th where Eagle opportunity is certainly a birdie opportunity. Uh, he was uh, plus 900. And who was it? Brendan Todd was like plus 250 or something. And then, of course, Straka was a heavy favorite. So I, I actually put a pretty big live bet on Smalley. And I was just like so underwhelmed. Listen, that happens. Like, I'm not going to be like, Smalley sucks. Like, great tournament. He's been great. He might be great at the Scottish Open. But I just got to say, I was like, man, I thought this was going to at least be a sweat on 17. Uh, but it wasn't. So 18 was like uh, completely irrelevant. Uh, Tom, did you have any 
any shares of Sepp Straka or anybody who was really competing down the stretch? So I, I was in your position. I was on Alex Smalley pre-event and I was on Adam mm -hmm. Schenk and Lucas Glover as well. So I had three players within three shots going into the final round uh, and none of them come up trumps right. But I, I think with, with Smalley, when he shoots four under in, in the final group and going for his first win, like most of the time, that's going to be good enough. Um, so you can't really account for Sepp Straka going to nine under and probably should have been 11 under, right? So um, I think that he was unfortunate by the same token when uh, Sepp made the double on 18, he straight away like, immediately bogeyed himself. So there's obviously a little bit of a chink in his own armour. But I mean, I like him going back to back and playing well this week as well, which I'm sure we'll come on to. Um, but yeah, it was there, there was a sweat there, but not one that ended uh, successfully in the end. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we all had, I had the Peter Quest sweat that I thought was going to be a sweat on Sunday afternoon as well. <laughs> that did, definitely didn't work out on Sunday for me. Well, listen, we're going to bring up the draft board. We see a lot of you are actually in the chat already, which is really cool because listen, this is three hours than we three hours earlier than we normally do it. So we appreciate you all kind of taking time out of your schedule to accommodate us and get us in here. But before we actually make a pick, and you can see the order of the picks, it's going to be Dave, it's going to be Sia and the audience, otherwise known as the audience. Uh, Tom's going to pick third and Spencer's going to pick fourth. But before we even get there, Spencer, we got to hear the course breakdown. Yeah, I mean, it's no secret to anyone that I favor your standard contest that will let me extract numbers in my preferred fashion of long-term information over like this wishy-washy profile that I have inside my sheet. This is more where David and Tom, I think, would excel here with some of the knowledge that they have with the DP World Tour players. Like, I've never found these mixed field tournaments to be overly conducive to building a bankroll for me. However, I think the real problem stems from the inability that I had to get the concrete answers because of the lack of trackable returns that I had that were readily built into my model here. I do believe we can somewhat extrapolate a stylistic blueprint when we dive into some of your more basic expectations. However, with that being said, it's kind of a double-edged sword when you consider that this course's real defense and playability will come down to the weather. You don't have to look any further than the four years that it's been held here. We've gotten golfers that get into the 20s. We see golfers that are into the single digits that we look at it. I think when you look at this track in general, Tom Doak designed the property in 2008. You have these tricky green complexes that come into effect on most of these massively oversized greens. That's a quirk that we see implemented by Doak quite frequently. Uh, I think it's the fescue texture for me in particular that makes everything much more challenging just because of that languid feel that players will experience on the putts. The ability to handle a slower surface and scramble when need is what makes a good link style player in my opinion, but it goes back to my original point that weather lands as the ultimate decider for me this week. Um, I don't necessarily want to over or understate the track's difficulty. We do know birdies can come in bunches from past showings. You have three par fives that are gettable. The the par threes are long and have some danger removed probably because of the wide open greens. You have a mixed bag of the par fours here, but that's obviously a really long answer for me to land on an, on a blueprint that I'm looking for. Of I want golfers that can supply a solid tee to green account of themselves, especially with their irons and short games. I think that's going to be a big advantage. I would also look for dependable play in and around bunkers because of the potential landmines that loom at every single turn. Uh, but still, above all else, I would be very cognizant on keeping an eye of the weather before you really make any last minute final decisions, in my opinion. Yeah, I like that. And speaking of, Dave, before you make the first overall pick, are you leaning one way or the other? I know it's still early, kind of, uh, in terms of a weather edge, a wave edge. 
Yeah, I'm probably leaning towards the Thursday p.m., Friday a.m. It looks like the winds are probably picking up a little bit on the Friday afternoon. And I think one key thing to really remember is that when you're playing over on the PGA Tour and you're getting these tree-lined golf courses all the time, you know, the difference between 15 miles per hour and 20 miles per hour may not seem like a huge difference and it probably isn't going to be a massive difference. On Lynx Golf, that all changes because there's zero protection. There's no trees guarding these fairways. So coastal golf really like subject to all of the elements you know if we get a bit of bit of wind a bit of change you can see the scores suddenly swing from people shooting 64s to shooting 73s um so certainly for the guys further down the board um i'm going to be leaning i think the thursday p.m friday a.m but it's scotland weather can change in no time tom will attest to that um i feel they've had a lovely summer over there in the uk and i'll tell you who's had a lovely year the greatest golfer in the world at the moment. He's going to be my first pick. It's really a no-brainer. Um, Scotty Scheffler gets on the right side of the draw as well. So um, that's no, it's not today. Would <laughs> 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 love that to be uh, the greatest golfer in the world. Uh, it is Scotty Scheffler, and um, it's a no-brainer first pick for me. Yeah, I think that might be, in fact, a no-brainer. Tom, I want to get your opinion there on Scotty Scheffler. I mean, he's eleven thousand six hundred, so. It is problematic, as Dave is going to realize when he tries to fill out his lineup, because it's hard to make a lineup with an eleven thousand six hundred guy and let's say a nine thousand guy. I mean, if you make if you if you do Scotty and let's say Hovland, it leaves you with basically seventy one hundred left. But with that said, I mean, Scotty Scheffler certainly seems like head and shoulders above everybody, including Rory, including Cantley, including Xander. Weighted tee to green, approach off the tee, opportunities like you name it. He's basically number one in almost every category. If you had the first pick, would it have been Scotty Scheffler? Yeah, 100%. Like I was, I was kind of hoping that the idea was either I was going to get the first pick or that people were going to pass him because of the salary. Right? Like I basically just pre-made my lineups in the hope that I was going to get Scotty Scheffler and, and deal with the consequences. I thought I could lean on my my lower price guys in Europe as, as to kind of help me out there. But look, I think he is ultimately the best player in the world, as we, as we kind of talked about. There's no real denying that. Um, I think he can win anywhere. And I think he's the type of person, I think we talk about motivation a lot when it comes to the week before the Open Championship in terms of who wants to win and who wants to just try and find out something in their game the week before the Open, right? And and I think he's the one that wants that win. He's the person that's like, I'm sitting on two wins, but I should be on four or five wins, which sounds ridiculous, but it's definitely true. Um, so yeah, I, I love the Scottish Sheffler pick. I would have picked him. Um, I'm glad I now don't have that headache because I could probably be a bit more balanced with my ladder. All right. I love it. So we are going to get to the audience pick and it looks okay. So I'm going to go ahead and ratify what Brent Harris has done. By the way, for those of you that are new to the show, um, we nominate picks. The audience actually nominates picks. And when, when, when it's our turn, which is right now, you put in the name or maybe a couple names of the golfer that you want the audience to pick. Uh, in this case, we have, it looks like Cbez. Uh, but Hovland, I'm going to go ahead and I'm just going to use, because people were kind of slow to nominate, I'm going to go ahead and use my power to be part of this team too. I'm going to go with Hovland too, and I'm not looking at ownership yet, Spencer. I wonder if you have ownership numbers uh, already. I can't imagine, as good as Hovland is, I can't imagine he's super high owned. I kind of have a lot of ownership on all these players. Like something is going to have to give at some point over the next Mm -hmm. 24 hours for me. I see 15%. That would place him as the eighth overall player in ownership. You know, I, as I said, it's subject to change with it, but uh, there's a lot of golfers in that range that are kind of within a percent or two of each other. Yeah, fair enough. I got to think when it's all said and done, 
that Hovland's going to be outside the top 10 from an ownership standpoint. I just think there's so much value in the 9K range that they're, they're, people are going to tend to pay down in the 9K range as opposed uh, to pay up. Tom, I'm going to go right back to you. It's your pick, but any thoughts on Hovland? Yeah, I mean, look, I think it was just coming into the US Open, I basically said that Vitz Hovland was the third best player in the world uh, behind Scheffler and Rahm. And maybe I've probably called off on that opinion slightly since you know the last couple of starts. But I generally do believe that he's a major champion in waiting. And the Hoy Lake seems a good course for him. I think that would be a great setup. Whether the Scottish Open the week before, I think he is the type of person that could... Um, try and find something ready for next week as opposed to really go for the win here. Um, so, yeah, I think that the floor is pretty high for, for Hovland, but I'm, I'm just worried about the winning upside because I think he's maybe got a one eye on next week. Gotcha. Uh, Terrence Graham, you seem to be new to the chat. You say Adam Scott and Jordan Spieth are my picks to win well. When it comes back to us for our pick, if you want to nominate one of those guys, uh, feel free. By the way, if you haven't already hit the like button on YouTube, please do that. And maybe go to Twitter. Uh, since this is a weird time, maybe go to Twitter, hit the like button there, help us with the algorithm there, maybe even retweet it. I don't know. But Tom, what I do know is this is your first time on the PGA DraftCast. It is the Scottish Open. You're you're our Scottish Open guy. <laughs> Who is your first pick for the Scottish Open? Yeah, so I think anyone that's kind of listened to my content in the past might be quite surprised um, that I'm going with this player. But I'm going to start with Tommy Fleetwood this week. I, I generally think he's a little bit overrated in the betting market particularly um and this week he is you know 9400 but i i just believe in the way that he's playing right now he's had multiple chances to win this season i mean you go back to the valspar he was tied third it was the, the bunk on the 14th hole that really cost him there you know he lost in the playoff at the canadian open he shoots a final around 63 at the us open he is definitively a guy that will want to win this week and take that into next week at hoylake uh, and i just really believe in that he's the last 10 starts he's had in Scotland, he's made all 10 cuts. The worst finish has been 25th. Uh, he's been runner-up twice, uh, once at St Andrews and once here. Um, you know, he, he's just been brilliant. And, you know, he's been fourth in the Open Championship in St Andrews last year as well. So everything he does in kind of Scottish links golf is really impressive. He's played well in British Masters and in Hillside and things like that. So links golf really is his thing. He actually doesn't have as many wins as I think he would have on links. Um, but when I just think of links golf, I think it's Tommy Fleetwood and, Ultimately, I think he's going to get that win. That, and I think it'd be slightly ironic if he gets his first PJ Tour win when it's co-sanctioned and back in Europe. So yeah. um, maybe that's maybe that's what's going to happen. So it's interesting because when I was doing before I did my research, I you know I saw Tommy Fleetwood. It was in the tournament, and and I thought to myself, I don't think I want to play Tommy Fleetwood. And then I started with my research, and I'm like, man, Tommy Fleetwood is showing up everywhere. Am I going to have to play this guy? And then I thought, okay, I'm not going to play him because I think ownership is probably it's just the right price for ownership to be high on him. But maybe I'm wrong there because the nine K it should be somewhat flat across the board. That's that's me saying I don't know what to do with Tommy Fleetwood. But David, I saw you shaking your head quite a bit. It does seem like a nice spot for Tommy. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, look, the the links form for Tommy speaks for itself, um, especially the the Dunhill links where he's had multiple top tens, um, and obviously that's on a compilation of different links courses as well. So, uh, as a true test of links golf, that's always a really really good form guide to to look at. Um, and yeah, I, I think as Tom said, I think it's going to be kind of ironic. Tommy Fleetwood could very well get his first PGA Tour victory in Scotland, and then um, the talk will start about how Fleetwood can't win in mainland USA. Yeah. And I think we all remember, um, somebody remind me what, what turn like the, the tournament where there was a couple tournaments where down the stretch, just in the last couple of months, Tommy Fleetwood kind of just, kind of just fell off. What, uh, remind Canadian me. Where, Open. 
Canadian Open. Yeah. Where fortunately he was in the the playoff against uh, Nick Taylor, who I'd tipped at sixty six to one, so that worked out pretty well. Oh, that's right, that's right. Even before that, though, there was there was a tournament before the Canadian Open where Fleetwood was there down the stretch that, and just that was the Valspar, right? Like it, he was he was right there. He he probably I don't I think it's unfair to say he should have won, but he 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 just got caught in that bunker. He took two shots to get out of there, and and that was kind of him. And uh, look, that's been him on the PJ tour. Right. And I think it only highlights because because one of the things is always going to be that he can't win. And it's just a ridiculous narrative because he does it so often on the DP World Tour. But Mm -hmm. there is a certain pressure. I think it's self-imposed. I think it's just one of those like I need to prove that I'm good enough to win on the PGA Tour. Despite the fact that he shoots the lowest rounds of the day in major championships multiple times and things like that. Like he's proven he's good enough. He's proven he's an elite player. He just needs to get that win, um, you know, off his shoulders and. I don't know whether he'll even count the Scottish Open as that because then, as you say, the narratives will be he can't win in America, which would be like what Victor Hovland was like. And, you know, it just continues. Like, we're never satisfied, are we, with golfers? And I'm certainly in that guilty of that. But I do think that Fleetwood can can come to the fore here. All right. I like it. I like the pick. Uh, Spencer, what's really good for you, and I'm just – this is my impression. You have back-to-back picks. You're picking fourth, which is very unusual. Uh, You're usually at the front of the pack. You haven't been squirming. Which to me means that Scotty Scheffler, Victor Hovland, and Tommy Fleetwood were not guys you were definitely going to draft with your first two picks. Am I correct? And by the way, who are your two picks? So I think if I was to select one of the three, it would be Fleetwood. Uh, I really like Fleetwood, and he's on that short list of what I would have been considering here. Um, I'm going to go, I guess, a different route, and and I like the Scotty like. To me, when we're talking about, I mean, if even if you want to just say like the 9,000 and up range, I think all these golfers, like you're, you're very much so splitting hairs with a lot of these names. Yeah. Ownership, small deviations that I have inside of my model one way or another. There's no massive fade candidate for me this week. Like it's a very wide open board at the top to where I feel comfortable trying to maneuver through it more so than anything. Like no matter what name was picked, I was going to be fine with the outcome. There's nobody that is a fade candidate for me. So with that being said, though, I think if I had the number one pick, I probably would have taken Xander Shoffley at 10,400. I'm going to take him here with my first selection. Obviously, the defending champion. I think any time that you get these link style venues to where get a little bit of a reduction in strokes gain off the tee, he's one of those players that does see an increase immaculate short game that he brings to the table. There's a reason why he finds success at these sorts of venues. I think he's live for this tournament. I think he's live to win the open next week. And I know that's a very controversial take for a player that people don't necessarily believe can win major championships or even win golf tournaments at some points, but really like Xander. So I'm going to take him at 10,400. And then I guess I'll be the one that just eats the ridiculous chalk that I'm seeing right now. He's a number one owned player. I'll figure out a way to get different at some other point here. I'll take Tyrrell Hatton at 9,600. There's a lot of players that we could make the argument about, about them being these like pristine link style players. You can make an argument that Hatton is up there. If not the best, one of the best in this field, he kind of fits into that Fleetwood narrative that we're talking about. So that was going to probably be my play, either Hatton or Fleetwood there. I think I ever so slightly prefer Hatton. If I'm just looking at this, Without ownership, when you throw ownership into the mix, they're both very popular. So I guess I still lean towards Hatton based off of that. But start with Chef. Or I'll start with Shoffley, and then I will move to Hatton. Yeah, I'll say I, I like both of those picks, and I definitely agree with the sentiment that from nine thousand 
And that's really where Wyndham Clark is. So you could, if you really want to, you could go maybe slightly. To me, Roy McElroy, I think, I think it's six of one, a half a dozen of the other. I'm not saying that Cantlay and, and Rory are, are, are the equivalent of Wyndham Clark and like, let's say Shane Lowry and Jordan Spieth. But I'm just saying that I feel like the margins in that 9K area, even through the 10K area are, are like a, a lot of the same. So no fade candidates really for me either. I love both of these, but Tom and David, before we get to Tom's pick, real quick on both of these guys, listen, we can't play everybody, right? We can't like everybody. I'm curious, to the extent you have a player pool, Tom, uh, would Xander and Hatton be inside it? Or do you just have to say, well, one of these guys, like, I can't like everybody. One of these guys, he's just not going to make the cut for me. I think, and it's not because I don't think he can win or even going across next week, I think I'd leave Xander out just because I would have just started with Scotty Scheffler and then I would be focusing on Hatton and Fleet within the 9K range because I think both of them really live to win and and they allow you to do other things with your salaries, right? So I think it would be Xander just on cost, but I think that's also a good way to, to build as well. You can get a little bit different by starting with Xander. So it, it would be Xander that I would leave out, but uh, regretfully, I think. David, uh, same question for you. Uh, similar answer. I think Hedden is good chalk this week. I feel that he's he's going to come through and perform. I, I like that pick a lot. I think Xander, for me, that's going to be dictated a lot on ownership. I think if we get, like, say, a 12% Xander because everybody's going Scheffler or Rory, then that's somewhere I can see myself pivoting to. Otherwise, I'm pretty indifferent. Fair enough. Yeah. Uh, Tom, you got Tommy Fleetwood to start. Who's next? Yeah, I'm going to go with Justin Rose again. Um, I, I just can't get over how good he's been this season. It's just, I think it's underrated how well he's been playing. And, you know, we've had strong resurgences from Jason Day during the season. We had them from Ricky Fowler more recently. And I, I think Rose is in that kind of, you know, sample as well. And he's a he's a former winner of this event, albeit at a different golf course. He was the 36-hole leader recently at the Bedford British Masters, where he, he did fade away, but his ball striking still stayed pretty good and solid. And I just love the fact that his last three starts in Open Championships in Scotland, he's been second at Carnoustie, 22nd at Troon, and sixth at St Andrews. So he's just a very good links player, particularly in Scotland. Um, he played better here than his kind of final finish suggests last year. He started off inside the top 15, 20 after the first couple of rounds and then faded away when he wasn't playing as well as he is now. So I just think the way he's striking the ball right now is is incredible. His, his approach play is excellent. And Look, the off the tee is, is kind of what's holding him back from being really dominant again. Um, I say dominant is probably the wrong word, but really at the top of the leaderboards every week. Uh, and I think that'd be negated slightly here. I think he'll get away with that a little bit. Uh, I think he'll get a bit more running his ball with the links build. And I would just rely on the fact his iron's been really strong for, you know, 10, 12 weeks now. Yeah, Justin Rose is one of two guys I really liked in the 8K range. And uh, so I, I like the pick. Uh, David... Before we get to the audience pick, and they, they've already gotten their pick in, uh, what do you think about Justin Rose this week? Yeah, I mean, just reiterate what Tom says. I think he's um, he's playing some excellent golf. The approach play has come on a lot. The short game we've known for a long time has been excellent. That's always a key to getting around these links of golf courses. Like, you are just naturally going to miss greens. You're going to find yourself in bunkers. Um, you're going to find yourself with all sorts of interesting lies where you're going to have to get a bit creative. Um, and he's a great putter as well, so I really like the play. All right. Speaking of plays that I like, listen, Fitzpatrick is playing okay. And his ownership, well, I'm looking at it now, seems to be really, really low. It's probably not going to stay that low, right? Because people are going to see how low his ownership is. They're going to be like, oh, I got to jump onto that. But it doesn't look like it's going to surpass, 
I don't know, 10, 11%. Again, the, the final ownership article at windailysports.com, it'll be Stephen Pilardi, Sicily Kid publishing that maybe a little bit earlier than normal because of the start time of the Scottish Open. Uh, but Fitzpatrick seems like an awfully good leverage play in this sort of 9K and above range. Um, Tom, I'm going right back to you. And then, Spencer, I want to get your thoughts as well. Uh, Matt Fitzpatrick. Yeah, I think I think for me with Fitzpatrick is I don't quite know what he is at the moment. I, I think with, before it was like you know he's he's really uplifted off the tee and that's his his dominant trait now and that's why he's become this player that can contend a major championship. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden he's kind of he's not tailed off because he's putting in decent performances. But I don't trust him like like with a Fleetwood or a Fitzpatrick. I think there's a little, uh, a Fleetwood or a Hatton. I think there's a higher floor. I am still worried about Fitzpatrick maybe now to blow out. So I think the upside is definitely there for someone like Fitzpatrick. And and I think with Hovland and Fitzpatrick, you've got two very live people that can win any golf tournament, um, even the Open Championship next week. I just think it's one of those ones I'm a little bit worried about consistency-wise at the moment. I mean, look, he's been 14th, 2nd and 6th here in three of his four starts. So this golf course in particular is a pretty good one for him. And he's got, you know, what, ninth and 20th place finishes recently, 17th as well. So... It's solid. I just don't think he's quite the player he was when he won the Heritage earlier in the season. Yeah, I mean, looking at the game, the putter has been on over the last few tournaments. Really, I shouldn't even say the last few. I mean, it's been solid for, for months now. Uh, the off-the-tee game can be a little erratic. The approach play can be, you know, a little underwhelming. But, yeah, I think there's some spike potential there. Uh, before we get to Dave's back-to-back -back pick, Spencer, where does Matt Fitzpatrick rate out for you? My model likes Fitzpatrick, and and it kind of goes back, though, to what Tom was stating a, a second ago. When you try to construct your builds here, there's just certain players that get aced out, even if you like the player. I don't know if Matthew Fitzpatrick is going to make my player pull at this point, even though my model does like him. I would rather play Hatton. I would rather play Fleetwood. I'm sure there's a couple other names around there that we could talk about. He kind of fits in as that third choice. Now, if there is leverage that I can find because he does come in much less than everybody else, there's a different conversation that we can have at that point. But I, I'm, I have not made a decision yet. I, my model likes him, but I guess I'm indifferent to the situation until we get better ownership numbers. All right. By the way, Jeff M in the chat, he says Fleetwood Rose is a good starting lineup. I'm going for that exclamation point. Uh, and to that, I say, uh, Tom Jacobs, quit showing us up. It's our show. How dare you? <laughs> yeah. uh, well, Dave, we still have these things end, so we'll, uh, we won't get ahead of ourselves. Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> uh, David, you've got back-to-back -back picks. Where are you headed? Yeah, well, I mean, I'm going to try and show Tom up a little bit here and just steal one of these low-end DP World Tour guys that I think Tom might potentially have his eye on. Um, either way, I think that, that you're getting some sneaky value on Matthew Southgate at 6,700. Uh, true Lynx specialist. You know, he's um, he's had a very, very good record on Lynx golf courses. He had a 6th and a 12th at the Open Championship. He's had a 2nd at the Dunhill Lynx. He's had a 6th and 25th at the Scottish Challenge, um, which is on the Torrance course um, nearby the Fiermont St. Andrews. And he won the St. Andrews Lynx Trophy by five strokes as an amateur. So he's a real true Lynx, Lynx golfer. Um, last week, finished up at the Maiden in Himmeland with a 61 in the final round, really came storming through the field in that last round there. Um, and that's a Lynxy style course as well. So this is the kind of course where I can see him set up well, um, gets at the moment the right side of the draw. And I think if we're going down those lower 6K golfers, which I think if you're building with Sheffield, you're going to have to do at some point, 
I'm going to rather go with some of these DP World Tour guys that most of the US-based players are just not going to know as well um, and try and get an edge there, whereas, you know, a lot of them are going to go for, like, Poston because they know Poston, mm-hmm. um, whereas someone like Southgate, who's who's a very, very good links golfer, might get missed a little bit. So going to go there to start with and then um, going to come back to someone who's shortened a lot in the market. I think that's off the back of um, Mr... Sir Ben Coley again tipping him up, which is uh, Ryan Fox, winner of the Alfred Dunhall Lynx last year. Great Lynx golfer. We've seen him showing up at really, really big events. And what I like with Foxy, I mean, I interviewed him a little bit earlier this year and he, he mentioned how Lynx golf, you know, there's there's really no hole, holes in his game. He also likes these courses where he doesn't feel he has to go out and, and shoot, you know, minus 24 to win the tournament. He doesn't have to birdie every hole. Um, he likes that he can get a little bit creative Gets the right side of the weather draw as well. Very, very strong driver, which we've seen with a lot of golfers here. Um, and the length form kind of shines through for him. I also think he's very, very grounded. He doesn't, he tends to be living in the moment. He'll still be focused on this week and winning the Scottish Open. He won't have his eye on next week at the Open Championship. And that kind of ticks the box for me as well. Yeah, I was really impressed when I looked at Ryan Fox in particular and his finishing positions at majors at, at big events, elevated designated events. I mean, he really seems to show up at, at those events. So um, Fox is definitely on my list. Tom, I want to ask you as, as the audience nominates um, our third player. So Ryan Fox and Matthew Southgate, obviously people are a little bit more familiar with Fox uh, as opposed to Matthew Southgate, but um, this is sort of where there's blind spots for people like myself, particularly as it pertains to Southgate uh, and, and a lot of people that are watching is he a guy that would also be on your radar or, or is he as far as the European players, the world tour players, maybe he doesn't make the cut. So he only didn't make the cut for me because I wanted to go slightly more expensive or way cheaper than him uh, for, for my Euro guys. I think that as much as a lot of people won't know about him, he's one of those ones that has popped up an open championship before and people just hear the name Matthew Southgate and links and just plug and play him without really thinking about it. And I, I think sometimes it can be a track and I'm not saying obviously David's done a little bit more to it than that but like he's been ninth and 26th here but he's also bookended that with two missed cuts and i just wonder if the elevated competition is going to be a concern i mean of course he's you know top 10 in an open championship so the the concern maybe isn't there but i just i think he's the type of guy that if he was around on sunday and this wind comes in in the final round i think that would really benefit him i think he's the type of person that could stay there so let's say he was in the top 10 12 going into sunday i think he could hold his position but I think he's going to struggle with if the scoring gets really low, which is, sounds ridiculous considering he shot a 61 on Sunday. But I just think trying to keep up with these PGA Tour players, we saw it last season, it was dominated by PGA Tour players in, in 2022. And I think that's potentially going to be the case this week. So I am slightly hesitant to, to use these these lower price euros if I don't have to. Um, when it comes to Fox, the trajectory of his career is, is brilliant. I think he's been really impressive on the PGA Tour this season. Him and Aaron Rye, I think, have really come on leaps and bounds and, and really sort of solidified those positions as PJ Tour players. And that's really impressive. It's only this course and the course form that he's had here that's kind of put me off a little bit. Um, he's not ever finished better than the 44th here. He missed the first two cuts and that was against kind of weaker fields. And then he's gone 44th and 47th the last two years. And I just wonder if the fact he's not shot lower than like 68 here. I just wonder if he's just there's a, something about... I think you prefer a kind of more true links test, Ryan Fox. So I think the price is good. And I think the what you've got is he's... A, it's weird because he dominated the DP World Tour last season and was in a really good spot. And now he's going over to PJ Tour. He's finishing 15th, 20th, 30th. And that's 
probably even more impressive than what he was doing on the DP World Tour last season. It's really hard to quantify. I just don't know quite how that's going to translate with the expectation maybe on him and probably self-imposed pressure, I think, coming onto a Lynx course. Fair enough. And by the way, if you haven't already caught the interview that David did with Ryan Fox just a couple of weeks ago, catch it at windailysports.com on our YouTube page. It's obviously all that content on the YouTube page is free. Uh, if you want to sign up for windailysports.com, just go to windailysports.com and sign up. The promo code, David, maybe you can tell us in a second. Uh, promo code gets them a week free, right? That's right. Yeah, just in the promo code uh, green and you get um, all, all sports free week trial. Just come see what we get. You know, imagine you do that now. You're going to get content for the Scottish Open and the Open Championship, right? So kind of doubling up on these links courses where, uh, you know, some of our DP World Tour expertise is really going to shine through and give you some good points of difference to um, other DFS players. And uh, long term, he did say all sports were 58 days away from NFL kickoff. So I just want to throw that out there. We have a lot of content coming for that. All right. The audience has already picked in. It's Alexander Bjork. Uh, I like that pick. I'm not going to pretend to know a ton about him other than his world tour record, which is extremely impressive. So I'll make this quick uh, because I think he's a popular guy. He's not like super popular from an ownership standpoint, but it is getting into that range where he's starting to become sort of that 7K chalk that we don't necessarily like. Like the price at 7,300. I like the record. Tom and David, I got to kick it both back to you because you guys know this guy better than than I do, certainly. And a lot of the people listening, uh, where are we at on Bjork? And Tom, I'm going to start with you. So I think the closest comp I can think of Alex Bjork this season is like a Sung JM. He he kind of keeps himself in these kind of top 10 positions without ever really contending to win. And the one time that he did, he was horrendous. Um, he has one DB World Tour win in his career and he's 33 years of age. So that kind of shows you the struggles he has now. With all that being said, I've bet him at 100 to 1. I've advocated him on the podcast earlier today. The reason being, he's been at 14 to 1, 16 to 1, 18 to 1 of late. And I think the the kind of 100 to 1 with the places over here in, in the UK means that you're kind of getting 20 to 1 if you finish inside the top eight. I think that's really refreshing. He's been inside the top 10 going into the final round uh, twice here. And he's shot two 63s on this golf course. So he, he makes all the sense in the world. He's, he's seven top 10s in 2023, four in a row. He's been brilliant. There's, there really is no denying how good he is. He's he's this perfect balance of great approach play and a really, really good putter. Uh, he lacks distance off the tee and and his accuracy can get wayward. So that's what kind of holds him back from winning. Um, but I like him. I like him a lot. I just think that, like you said, he's probably one of these slightly more popular guys at the lower range. And I think I'm going to try and be clever and maybe take on uh, someone else. And David, is it a yes or no on Bjork? Knowing that he's probably, especially among sort of that that American crowd, which which you referenced, he's going to be Foxes too, perhaps. Uh, certainly not Southgate, but but Bjork is going to be one of those names that people gravitate to because he's being talked about. So, with that context in mind, where are you at on Bjork? Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of agree with that that narrative. I think like the Bjorks, Moronks, Foxes of the world, like they're, they're people like, oh, I've, I've heard of him. Same probably um, Rasmus Wojkart as well, who won last week. I think those are the names where people perhaps go to on the DP World Tour side. So uh, I, I agree with Tom. I, I don't know if Bjork has the, the upside to necessarily get it done. Um, but if he's top 20, like that would not surprise me whatsoever. I, I think that's within the range of outcomes for him. And at 7,300, that's kind of what you want. All right, Tom, you got Tommy Fleetwood, you got Justin Rose, you got a fan in the chat that loves your team so far. Who's next? So I'm hoping this is a little bit of a left field one and maybe Spencer can chime in with maybe a bit of an ownership projection on him and I might look a little bit silly at the end of this, but I like Brian Harmon at 7-6. The approach play is really, really strong right now. He's been second and ninth his last two starts. He was seventh at the Heritage. 
you know, going back to the start of the season, he had two runner-up finishes at the uh, Worldwide Technology Championship and the RSM Classic. And when you look at his Open Championship record, he was sixth at St Andrews last year. He was 19th in 2021. He was 26th at Hoy Lake that we're going to play next year. So he really does play these Open Championship courses well. He didn't make the cut here last year, but I think he's playing a lot better now. His iron play is in really good place. So I think he will take over the form from the Travellers and the Rocket Mortgage really nicely into the Scottish Open. And he's showing everything that I want. His, his irons are in form. His putting's great. And I trust him to get it done on, um, you know, linked courses, as he's shown in the past. So I think he's the type of player that can get off to a really fast start uh, and really hold his position. Okay, I love Brian Harmon. Uh, this week, I don't generally love Brian Harmon. And I just looked at what his projected ownership is. And I'm like even more in love with him. And Tom, I agree with you. The approach play and the putting has been like dominant, especially the last few tournaments for him. And it, even, and I think his ownership is low because of maybe they don't, people don't think he's a good course fit. I'll tell you right now. So we do the first round leaders at the very end of the show. We just spend a couple minutes on first round leaders. Um, you can get all our picks at windailysports.com. I'll be putting them in uh, to the discord tally site, things of that nature. But Brian Harmon is featured in a lot of those places. And he'll be featured at the end of this show too, as kind of a long shot uh, first round leader, spoiler alert. Uh, I, I love this, but Tom asked you, Spencer, uh, what you thought about Brian Harmon. I, I can tell you that my ownership projections, they look really low on Brian Harmon, which is great, but but how's he rating out for you, Spencer? So I have him sub 5% for ownership, and I don't think it's any, like we know it on this show at this point, like mentioning Brian Harmon's essentially like talking dirty to me on this <laughs> show, like anything Brian Harmon I'm into, so <laughs> Uh, inside the top 25 <laughs> of my model and pretty much all iterations of how I ran it, I think Harmon's a very intriguing play at 7,600. Yeah, love it. I'm, I'm actually a little surprised. I didn't think he'd be like chalky by any means, but the number I'm seeing, I'm just, it's staggering in terms of his ownership because he rates out just fine for me. Uh, Spencer, uh, we got Brian Harmon out of the way on Tom's team and your team, Tom, is shaping up really well. Spencer, you've got back-to-back -back picks. Where are we going? So I have to get out of here in about 10 minutes. I'm going to very quickly mention these two without a big breakdown of why. Mm -hmm. I'm going to take Alex Noren. The one answer to that, I would throw away anything that we've seen him produce at the middle of the season. The iron plays turned around. I really like him on these link style courses. And then second, I don't want to get political on this show, but uh, George W. Bush once said, and I don't know if this is the exact quote, but fool me once, shame on you. Fool me again. You can't get fooled again or whatever the exact quote was with it. <laughs> We're going back to Thomas Dietrich. I'm doing it again. <laughs> wow. That is interesting. Okay. So uh, first of all, um, I actually have a head-to-head -head Brian Harmon over Thomas Dietrich. And I know we don't want a ton of explanation because we want to make you finish your, your team. Do you, you can hang out if we do this round really quick, Spencer? Yes. All right, let's do it. Okay, so we'll get back to Thomas Dietrich. Maybe after Spencer goes, um, David and Tom, I'll get your opinions on Thomas Dietrich specifically. I do think Alex Noren is trending up. And, and by the way, Spencer was super early on Alex Noren trending up. So uh, good for him on that. Let's see if Thomas Dietrich can do the same because the form doesn't look great right now. Tom, Justin Rose, Tommy Fleetwood, Brian Harmon, and? So this is a tough one now because I'm, I'm kind of got the, the chief of plays out. I feel I can go back to top of the board a little bit. I think I'm just going to have to take Patrick Cantlay just based on ability, win equity. I think it's there. I think I've got the salary remaining to, to give myself a shot and, and take some lower price guys. So I'm going to put Patrick Cantlay in there and give myself three really viable winners, I think, in Fleetwood, Rose and Cantlay. 
Ouch, Brian Harmon, bulletin board material. Uh, <laughs> no, I like Patrick Cantley a lot. Obviously, he rated out great for me, even a little bit better than his price indicates, at least in terms of um, what I saw. So we'll skip past that to the extent we gloss over some of these guys just so we can make sure Spencer finishes his team. We can always go back at the very end of the show and just, address, if you guys have questions in the chat, uh, address a couple of these guys. But let's pick up the pace a little bit. The audience is already nominating, which is great. Uh, looks like Aaron, oh, is Adam Scott the guy? <laughs> the, the, the fool me once, fool me twice thing. People are uh, having fun with that in the chat, which is great. Uh, Adam Scott looks to be the guy. Um, you know, Adam Scott wasn't on my radar, but I've heard a lot of people just today, just in the last few hours, uh, that I respect. Steve Scott, for example, Steve Scott, uh, uh, who's been on uh, golf shows with me before. He's on PGA Tour Live, once battled Tiger Woods, uh, which I, I think a lot of people remember. He likes Adam Scott as well. Um, I don't have a problem with it. So, Dave, you got you got back-to-back picks. But before we do that, I just want a yes or no. Tom, yes or no on Adam Scott? Yes. David, right. yes or no on Adam Scott? Yeah, yeah, I like him this week. Um, I think he gets missed a little bit too. Um, I'm going to gonna go a pretty shocking, a shocking route here is mm-hmm. what I've decided. I'm going to have both Scheffler and Roy McElroy in this lineup. What? Does that even, is that even possible? It is possible. And it's it's going to happen. So, Rory McIlroy, Scotty Scheffler, there's my win equity, and then I'm uh, going to get some uh, make cuts for the rest and take this thing out. Um, my next pick will be um, at the lowly lows of 6,300 in order to balance this out um, with Ross Fisher. Mm. Yes, there we go. Got him. I got him. Tom's not I'm happy. Tom was going to take Ross Fisher. Um, Ross Fisher, absolute elite ball striker. We've really seen his approach pay coming around this year. Um, the putter can be a bit of a problem. Um, he's kind of like team no putt on the DP World Tour. Um, but last week, the made in Himmelin really, really um, came through with his um, long irons um, throughout that tournament. And um, I, I think he's a decent chance. We're looking at, of course, we off the tees, a, a key factor, drives it long and straight and um, loves loves Lynx golf. Um, seen him turn up at multiple uh, links courses. Yeah, Ross Fisher. I actually don't hate the Ross Fisher play. Tom, it looked like that was somebody that you were potentially going to take. Yeah, uh, yeah, that, that was how I was going to kind of finish off my lineup. So look, he, he spiked really nicely recently with his irons. Um, and I think you have to pay attention to that. I think when he does that, he is not one of the better players on the DP World Tour because that's definitely given him too much praise. But he was 15th here two years ago. And, and I really trust him when he's on form, which he is. So um, yeah, I like the Ross Fisher bit. All right. Um, Steven, is that an endorsement for Forrest? Because we have another guy that said Forrest as well. Ivan said Forrest. So let us know if that's an actual nomination. As the audience nominates, we've got Rye, we've got Scott, who's already on our team, Jeffrey, uh, Yannick, Paul. Um, but it looks like Steven might be backing Forrest, in which case uh, we've, he, he would be the second. I mean, we can go, we can go weird here. Um, is, it, is it a second? Let's, let's just say it is. Let's get weird. We're going with Forrest at 6,600. Uh, Tom or David, before we get to Tom's pick, uh, do we know anything about Grant Forrest? Yeah, Grant Forrest is, is a player that, you know, is capable on the TP World Tour. He's a middling guy that spikes on decent performances at times. See there, they've mentioned he's a, uh, you know, a member at this golf course. He was 10th going into the final round here three years ago. Uh, he was 13th after round one here two years ago as well. So he's he's got some nice form here. I don't know what the upside is for Grant Forrest in a, in a PJ Tour field, but um, look, you, you have to put some of these players in and and he's as good as 
many on the DP World Tour. Fair enough. Yes or no, David, on Grant Forrest? Yeah, I think it's a really um, savvy pick and, and something that um, someone no, no one really in the USA is going to be playing for the most part. Yeah, I like, I like that part of it for sure. All right, we are one pick away from Spencer's final two picks. Tom, you're in the way of that. You got a nice-looking team. Who's next? Yeah, so th- this is a tough one. I can't really do what I was going to do now. I think I'm going to go back to last week's winner in Rasmus Hoygaard. I, I trust him to-, to carry on his good form. He played well here last year. He finished inside the top 10, even in that kind of PGA Tour dominant field. He was inside the top 20 going into the final uh, 36 holes as well. So I think he is a guy that the people are going to know about and there may be a bit of a high percentage of ownership than I want, uh, but it was kind of between him and one other at his price range and, and I've landed on him because of the recent win. I like it. All right, Spencer, it's on you. By the way, at the very end of, of this, when we pull the board down and we do our first round leaders, David and, and Tom, I'm going to ask you guys, maybe a couple guys each that didn't get drafted that are world tour guys that you think maybe we should have our eye on, maybe include in a couple of lineups. Spencer, you got to go but we got two picks to go. So what's it going to be? So if he was on the board, I was going to take Adam Scott. I'm going to pivot a little bit away from that. I'm going to take Keith Mitchell. I don't think we necessarily think of Keith Mitchell when it comes to players that are well-suited to succeed on link style venues, but the data tells this really intriguing picture that he has the ability to take advantage of his statistical profile. He ranked first in my model for weighted total driving, 17th for projected strokes gain total in the win. And then the biggest corollary probably comes down to the 21st place grade that he re- received in expected strokes gained at similar tracks historically. I like him. And since I don't have the ability to take Scott now, I had that priced out perfectly. Um, it comes down to either Alex Smalley or Sahith Thagala. I'm going to go with Alex Smalley. I-, I think that the safety that he possesses at the price tag is like he's 10th in my model when running this for safety, which is kind of an outlandish uh, number to give here, but inside the top 25 for me overall, prefer him a little bit to Thagala for the safety that he has, but uh, I am going to round it out with those two. I will put in those two picks. I assume that David, you can take over putting the picks in from there, but I'm going to head out. Thank you once again for having me, Tom. Thank you for joining the show here today. And uh, I think this will be the first time somebody's left midstream and the lineup ends up winning. So this is great. Uh, I see what you did there. Well, Spencer, thanks for joining us. Uh, We'll catch all your work uh, later on in the week. And next week, you'll be on with us for the Open Championship. So we're we're all looking forward to that. So thanks, buddy. I will see you next week. Have a good rest of your night, Tom. Fleetwood, Rose, Brian Harmon, Patrick Cantley. Last week's winner, Rasmus Hoygaard. Who's your final pick on the PGA DraftCast? Yeah, so I had two. And one of them was Ross Fisher, who I now can't take. The other one is Jamie Donaldson. Uh, uh, 6,400. He was first in approach two starts ago. I think he was 22nd in with approach last week as well. Um, or his last start, sorry, the British Masters. So that adding into the fact that he's also been inside the top 10 here in two of his last three starts. Um, he was ninth on his debut where he was fifth going into the final round after a Saturday 65. He finished 69th two years ago, but he wasn't playing very well. And then last year, finished sixth because he posted a really nice 67 in tough conditions on Sunday. And he was, he's that kind of guy that he was hovering around the, the, the top 30 last year going into the weekend. And because of that strong final round in tough conditions, he was there. And I think he's got that upside again with the way he's hitting his iron. So Jamie Donaldson, a massive veteran, pretty much zero win equity. Um, but I think he's a guy that can definitely get us through the cut and prop this team up. 
All right, Jamie Donaldson as the final pick. Uh, the, the silver medalist for Tom, as Ross Fisher would have been his final pick. Um, David, let me ask you, because you know not, not a lot of us know enough about Jamie Donaldson. Certainly, Tom just educated us. But would it be a yes or no on him? Listen, you can't like every Euro Tour player, so feel free to, to, to say you're fading him. But is Jamie Donaldson in the conversation? Yeah, I, I really like um, what's happened with his approach. His last two tournaments, gained on approach last two, which is typically not what we've been seeing from him the rest of the year. He also started gaining with driving accuracy at the um, at the Belfry at the British Masters last time as well. So looks like his ball striking is in decent form. Um, I, th- I think, you know, especially last year, like six of the, the, uh, the, the PGA Tour kind of level field that we had, um, was very, very impressive. Um, also ninth at the Scottish Championship. So he's got really, really good Scottish form. All right. Uh, we have our final pick in. Uh, I, I figured it was Aberg, but I wanted the actual nominations to come in on our turn. Gust card. I thought that said Cust card. Shout out to Cust uh, from, from Mayo Media. Um, and Zach Jeffers also seconds uh, Aberg. So uh, at 8,200 leaves us a few hundred dollars to spare. Uh, I don't have a problem with Ludwig Aberg. I mean, obviously he has the upside. We've, we've seen it. I mean, it's a small sample size in a sense, but I mean, we're seeing it kind of repeatedly uh, over the last, I would say, month that he can just really shine. Any given round, he can go super, super low. Uh, I, I didn't really have Aberg in, in my player pool as of yet. It's just maybe that's just a range. I, I ended up sort of skipping that low 8K range. But I, I can't deny the fact that he seems like a pretty great pick. So, David, I want to start with you. Is it a yes or no on Aberg? I'm, I think that he's going to get a disproportionate amount of ownership compared to what he deserves just because he's burst onto the scene and everyone's suddenly hot on him. I, I think he's just pretty pricey for a guy who, you know, like five, six starts ago was an amateur. We've seen him get like eighth at a John Deere Classic, but I mean, he's been kind of like 24th, 25th at um, the higher end events. And I think that's probably where I expect he'll end up. He's a very, very strong driver of the golf ball. I think that's a benefit here. I, I do like that that aspect to it. I just think in terms of the other names in the 8K range, there's probably others that I'm going to defer to just given I, I expect. I mean, I'm seeing like 17% on Aberg at the moment. You can get Adam Scott for 100 cheaper um, at like 11. So I'd probably rather go Scott than Aberg then. Yeah, I, I honestly, just from an ownership standpoint, I, I'd, I'd go 400 up to Sung JM, who's not playing great, by the way, but it's trending a little bit at 8,600. His ownership is super low. So, I mean, just something to think about. The cool thing about our team is that we do have Fitzpatrick. We do have Grant Forrest. So, like, we, we have properly played the the ownership leverage game. But I got I to gotta be honest, regardless, Ludwig Aberg at, at near 20%, which is what I'm seeing. David, I know your numbers are different. We'll get that confirmation from Sicily Kid tomorrow. But anything close to 20%, I'm just going to be out on Abraham. I wasn't really in on him in the first place. So like, it's really easy for me to dismiss him if he's anywhere between like 17 and, or I should even say like 15 and 20%. I'm, I'm just not going to be in on that. Uh, so uh, Tom, Aberg, yes or no? No, I, I think that, and the reason being, and, and I want it to be, I want to be proved wrong because I think ultimately if Aberg comes through this week, it's going to say a lot about him as a player. He's going to have such a, a big focus on him this week. Luke Donald's going to be desperate for him to play well, hoping that he can kind of get in, uh, you know, into that Ryder Cup conversation, you know, seriously. Everyone's kind of talking about it already, but if he can really put a performance in here, get one of those final three open championship spots and play well there, then he's going to put himself onto the team. And I think that's what, Donald wants him to do. 
I don't know if that pressure is going to be too much for him, but I also don't know what he does on Lynx golf. I have no idea. And, you know, I, I'm picking guys like Brian Harmon because they've played well in open championships. I, I assume Aberg will be plenty capable of playing Lynx golf. I have no reason to believe he wouldn't. It was full of PGA Tour players last year that didn't play Lynx golf. But I just don't know that he loves it. And I just think that the pressure on him could, especially at 20%, like he's 20% because people know who he is. Um, is has he got a, a, you know an infinitely better chance than Justin Thomas 8-3? No, I don't think so. So I've been very anti-Justin Thomas for a long time now. But when you look at the fact that he basically missed the Rocket Mortgage Cup um, because he's around the green game so terrible, I would be interested to go there rather than to Aberg. Yeah, JT losing over six strokes around the green is like staggering. I, like, yeah. I don't, I actually don't even understand. Like, I, my brain can't really comprehend how that's even possible. But here we are. Um, Terrence Graham, he says, cheers and great vine. I'm not sure what vine means, but maybe that, maybe you guys do. He says, I'm a subscriber now. Well, that's really cool. That, that happened fast. That's how easy it is. Go to windailysports.com, put in the promo code green. And by the way, speaking of the world tour, listen, Tom Jacobs is going to have world tour picks. Obviously, he does a, a lot of stuff for a lot of different outfits, which Tom, uh, I want to ask you about in a second before we finish the draft cast with David's final pick and do our first round leaders. But, um, David puts them in our Discord. He puts them on Tally site every single every single week. We got our PGA Tour picks and we got our World Tour picks. And anybody who's listened to this show know, knows David is incredibly sharp. Uh, but we see it every single week, pretty much every single day. So we're really happy to have him on the Wind Daily Sports team. David, it's your final pick. Who's it going to be? Yeah, I've kind of I'm denied about which direction I want to go with this because at the seven K price, I've got guys like you and Ferguson. Matthew Jordan, who have shown really, really good links form. I, it's just how much weight I'm going to put on the weather here because I'm kind of I'm going that narrative of Thursday p.m. Friday a.m. and unfortunately both of those two guys end up on the wrong side of it. So you know if we're if we're thinking that the weather's going that way, I'm probably going to have to fade them, go a little bit further down the board, which brings in guys like Matthew Pavon, Callum Hill. I think are interesting options at 6800, but I'm going to go something even more left field than that and i'm going to take a chance on joseph bramlett at 6700 i really like that we're getting kind of the i i want to call it like this year's kitayama who was second here last year i've seen kitayama play really well play minwoo lee play really well at this course joseph bramlett plenty of distance off the tee Gains on approach consistently, gains around the greens. I think that's a really, really good recipe for this type of course and for this type of test that we're going to see this week. And I wonder if, because he hasn't really got that links kind of form, whether he's going to get missed a little bit as well. I think he's going to be able to take advantage of the power fives with his distance as well. Generally, his um, his wedge plays very, very good, although we didn't see that last week. So I'm going to take a bit of a fly with Bramlett, but all those other names are, are guys that were certainly within consideration for me down that lower end. Yeah, I actually like Bramlett. He was one of the handful of guys I actually like in the 6K range. And, and I, you know, he's missed three cuts in a row, but he hasn't seemed to have done it in like a terrible way. Like he did have a couple mishaps on, on approach. You know, at, at the John Deere, it, it certainly wasn't very good. Um, but otherwise, his approach and ball striking in general has been pretty good. A, a couple a couple issues with the putter here and there, particularly at the Rocket Mortgage where he got cut but gained over two strokes ball striking. I think Bramlett at 6,700, I think, definitely think there's value in a, in a touch of upside there. So I actually like that pick. And David, we can, by the way, for those of you that don't know, take a screenshot of this if you want to. But we're going to tweet this out um, either tonight or actually more likely uh, early tomorrow afternoon. We'll, got, we'll have you guys vote 
on which team you like best going into the Scottish Open. But um, maybe you want to put some of these teams in. I don't know. Uh, I, I, I usually do. I usually find uh, the audience team if I like it, or maybe one of your teams. I'm probably putting Tom's team into a, to a big tournament. Who knows? Uh, but, Tom, before we get to our first-round leaders, I did want to ask you, um, where can we find your content? Yeah, so obviously I host the Lost Words podcast. That's kind of been my uh, thing for a couple of years now. So I started that during COVID. It, it started off with player interviews and turned into a betting show pretty quickly. Um, so that's been going for a decent amount of time now, 250 episodes of that. Uh, I do the Mayo Media Network show with Skylar Hoke. Um, we do the DP World Tour picks and bets on there. And I'm also on the DP World Tour's official podcast, uh, The Tips, uh, in a rotation there. So once every three or four shows I'm on there. So, uh, yeah, that's pretty much where you can find me. I do uh, PJ Tour picks for Odds Checker as well. So, um, yeah, I, th I think that's pretty pretty much covers everything. And, yeah, you can find where I put out some picks each week. That sounds great, Tom. All right. Do you do do you engage in the first-round leader market, Tom? Is that a thing? Yeah, yeah like okay. I, love, I love the first-round leader. I haven't done so much for the DP World Tour for a long time. Um, just because I find the stats not quite as uh easy like you get the round one scoring average on pj tour which i love um but you've got a database like some, some of those sites i use you can kind of look at who gets into contention in the first round leader market so i've got some names here uh based on sort of conversations we had that i think could uh could rock it there so yeah looking at those and yeah i'm looking forward to having a chat about that all right so let's start with you tom who are your first round leaders for the scottish open yeah, so I actually really like Aaron Rye. I don't think that's going to come as a surprise to too many people. He is just a first-round leader machine at the moment on the PGA Tour. He gets in the mix quite often. He's, you know, obviously won this tournament in the past. So I think you've got to look at him. I think looking at Alexander Bjork, who's shot 263s here and is in the form of his career, is someone that we should be looking at. And two players, that one that David just mentioned there in Matthew Pavon, who can get off to a fast start and play well last week without actually having good irons. I think someone to keep an eye on. But the other one for me and someone that I potentially would have finished off David's lineup with, um, luckily I'm not in control of it, uh, was Daniel Hillier um, because he was fifth at the KLM Open. He was great on approach that week. Third at the BMW International Open. I then tweeted out that we should keep an eye on him because he's only made like 28 starts on DP World Tour and he's had three or four top five finishes and he won a week later and I didn't bet him. So I didn't take my own advice. Um, so yeah, fifth miscut third win in his last four starts. And when you look at where he's played well in the past, he's had uh, some form in the Irish challenge on the challenge tour. He has played well in the Vic open in Australia, which correlates really nicely. He's had two really good performances at Fairmont St. Andrews, which is where a 12th and 23rd. So he's got a real links pedigree. We don't know yet how good he's going to be in this strength of field. But I just see him as the, the type. He's really close with Min Lee, And I just see him being the type that could really succeed and go on to a new trajectory. And there's never a better time to take him, I don't think, than when he's finished fifth, third, and first in his last four starts. Yeah, and that's Hillier, right? Yeah, Daniel Hillier. Yeah. Let me, before I get to David, is there any other names? Like, uh, I know David mentioned Hillier. He mentioned uh, uh, Pavan. Is there, like, a name that sticks out on the world tour that, didn't get mentioned or didn't get drafted i should say that you're like oh man you, you guys should you, you should keep an eye on this guy i think i think we probably covered the guys because the ones that you would generally pick have now pretty much positioned themselves on the pj tour like you've got herbert and rye who are dp world tour players but are generally pj tour at this point mm -hmm. um jordan smith will get a lot of love because he's statistically a, a great fit i don't necessarily love him matthew jordan has been in really really solid form for a long time now tees green is great 
Um, so Matthew Jordan, for me, is someone that loves Lynx golf, has played Dunhill Lynx really well. I just need to check in, actually, on his course form here. He's finished 18th and 59th um, in his last two starts at the Scottish Open as well on this golf course. So I think Matthew Jordan uh, at 7,000, I believe he is, and then Richie Ramsey right below him at 6,900 uh, would be someone as well that I would go to. But Ramsey's got to deal with the fact that he put it into the water on the 18th last week with the chance to win. Uh, but yeah, I think I think those two guys, Jordan and Richie Ramsey, would be two that I'd look at. Okay, and David, uh, before you get to your first round leader, same question for you. Obviously, we've now mentioned a lot of the World Tour guys that we, we would even consider, but anybody maybe that we've mentioned that you just want to bold face or somebody that we haven't mentioned? Yeah, I mean, look, as I said, I think the, the thing that put me off Jordan and Ferguson at the end was just the, the potential weather wave. Like, I mean, and, and Scottish weather can change in two hours right like yeah so those forecasts could change so quickly and if that morning wave ends up being um the the wave to play then ferguson and jordan would immediately be within the realms of my possibilities at that 7k mark i think they're both very very good value they're both in um decent decent nick as well um i did, did have a message from you and ferguson last week that the withdrawal was just related to some migraines he was having some loss of vision and stuff when he um tapped out of the maiden himalans so i don't think there's any kind of like long-term concern but i think some people might have potentially been playing them in dp world tour tournaments last week and sort of wd and then they suddenly just like hold up their hands and say like i want no part of it when there probably doesn't look to be anything kind of long-term um in that issue there and i mean it might just be a case of he needed a break before coming into a scottish open and open championship run right like there's two pretty big tournaments on the horizon um slightly bigger than um the maiden himmeland as much as i as i do love that event so those are those would be the key guys for me um I think one we haven't mentioned is Loughton, and I think you know he's potentially someone who, if the if the morning wave ends up the the way to play, that he could um, figure in as well. Because um, a little worried about his his chipping uh, would be my concern, but um, very very good putter and, and great approach player as well. All right, I love it. I think we have it covered. Uh, David, any first round leaders? Yeah, as always, I'm gonna look for the morning this time. Um, See, as much as, as Friday a.m. looks very, very calm, Thursday a.m. does look slightly calmer than Thursday p.m. And the, the only thing that I would say is that there's potential some showers during the day, which might soften up conditions. And um, I mean, Tom can attest to this, but I, but I understand it's been a pretty wet summer over in the UK this year. So conditions should be pretty soft, um, regardless of, of which wave you end up in. So all my guys are from the morning. Moronk at 70 to 1. Robert McIntyre, 80 to 1. Ewan Ferguson, 120 to 1. Matthew Jordan, 140 to 1. I think all of those are great values, and that's simply effective. You've got all these PGA Tour Raiders coming across here, um, and I'm going to stick to some of the, the you know, usually a lot shorter priced um, DP World Tour guys who have some, some links for them. Um, but my favorite would be um, Tommy Fleetwood, 35 to 1. All right. Uh, I have I have five. Um I'm going to start. They're kind of on the lower end in terms of uh, odds. I've got Xander Shoffley at 30 to one. Um, to me, he's just like a classic first round leader play because he he can start fast, but I don't expect him to win the tournament. I mean, I not that he's like a choke artist or anything. I just don't see him winning this tournament. And I I see him really excelling early, which we see a lot from Xander Shoffley. And then he just fades just enough not to win a tournament. So 30 to one, I like there. I'm getting a piece of Xander there. Jordan Spieth, I like for this tournament in general, 35 to one. Aaron Rye, I agree with you, Tom. Uh, 70 to 1 is where I got it. Brian Harmon, I've already mentioned. I spoiled that he was going to be a first-round leader candidate at 80 to 1. But your actual definitive lock 
first round leader, I say that sarcastically for those of you that are new to the show, uh, is none other than at 42 to one, your first round leader at the Scottish Open. It's going to be Min Woo Lee, who for the record, I don't expect to win this tournament. He, to me, is such a good first round leader option. I don't like his approach play. I love what he does off the tee. I love what he does with the short game, particularly the putter. And I think it's that very mix that can really get him to the top of the board as a first round leader, but not so much as an overall winner. 42 to one, Min Woo Lee is going to be the first round leader at the 2023 Scottish Open. You're welcome. Dave, Dave, what do you think about the Min Woo Lee call? And is he in your player pool in general from a DFS standpoint? Um, I, I think he's pretty pricey in the DFS point of view um, for, for what you're going to get. Um, it, he's, he fits the profile well in terms of long driver, and we've seen him show up at these type, kind of like tougher tests quite often, particularly US Opens, I guess, come to mind. Um, so, yeah, look, I mean, he's, he's a winner at this course. Obviously, loves the place. Um, I just I wonder about the pricing maybe a little bit and then potentially if the weather does end up going that Thursday p.m. Friday a.m. Um, he'll be on the wrong side of it. But um, from a first round leader, that's kind of what you want is going up a, a Thursday morning. Absolutely. Tom, uh, before we get out of here, um, we went a little long, but that's because we wanted to get some of that world tour, some of those players out there that people may not be super familiar with. But any final words before you you get off the show? It's your first draft cast. Uh, how do you think you did? I think you might have the best team. I, I, I'm not sure. It was a great, it's a great team, but uh, any final words before we get out of here? Yeah, there, there was one just, and David's obviously advocating for as a first round leader. There was, there was a comment from Gus Card, Moronk, whether he was a good option. And the only slight concern, I was really high on him at the British Masters and he wasn't good. He finished, I think, inside the top 15 in the end, which was miraculous. And I think that shows what he is in terms of like these weaker fields now on DP World Tour, but I don't necessarily know that he's playing well enough to contend at this point. And one first round leader that I would add to here, um, Andrew Putnam is in the first group, uh, 7.15 a.m. our time over here. His only appearance on this golf course, he was fourth and he closed with a 65-64 over the weekend. And hasn't Andrew Putnam just been good this season? Like in just flashes i mean he's not a guy that you really want to rely on and certainly maybe not when he flies over to the other side of the atlantic but his approach play has been strong for a long time now he's fifth at the memorial he's making cut after cut i think the only one that's really not been the case has been the pga championship i think going right back to the match play he's been really solid especially with his irons so i think someone that's riding a really hot putter right now andrew putnam um i think he's that american guy a little bit like in the brian Harmon mold that could just be at the top of the leaderboard and people think what's he doing there and i, I like those type of first round leader bets Speaking of, as a random first-round leader in the very much the long-shot department who has 0% chance to win this tournament, uh, Garrett Kigo. I was just, so, so I was just going to say that because he's now working with Sean Foley. I don't know if you saw that, Sia. Um, I did not. So he's now working with Sean Foley, and Sean Foley, he does all these like really long Instagram posts, and I, and I really enjoy following Sean Foley. And there is a little bit of kind of debate about whether he's a positive or a negative. I think he can get in the weeds a little bit too much for people's games. But he basically said he wasn't going to change an awful lot with Garrett Kigo. He was just going to – I can't. I don't know what he was saying, but it sounded impressive, and it made me think that he was really high on Garrett Kigo. And so sorry to cut you off because obviously you're going to talk about him being a first-round leader there, but I think that's the way to play him. Like he's out early. And I, he's the type of person that can go and shoot eight, nine under par on any given day. Um, so, yeah, I, I like Gary here. I think if you're really going to take a shot, I mean, he's like 125 to one over here yeah. for a first round leader. Um, so, yeah, I like that. 
All right. Did you hear that, everybody? A lot of you have still stayed on to the show. We're an hour and 10 minutes deep. We are officially splashing the pot with Garrick Higo at 125 to one as a first round leader. David, thoughts there? You hate yeah, it. It's okay if you hate it. <laughs> just, just say you hate him. Yeah, just say you hate him. <laughs> <laughs> I, I quite like the, the Putnam play. I think that's kind of kind of a bit sneaky. Uh, I, I like the fourth and then um, he's made one appearance at the Open Championship, finished 30 seconds. So, you know, driving actually and putting, like that's not a bad combination for, for Lynx golf at all. So, Probably prefer the Putnam over the the Higo. Higo, I just I never know what I'm going to get with him, and um, he doesn't uh, know what he's going to get with him either. Yeah, <laughs> well, exactly. He he nobody know knows. No, but, he, but, um, he gets on the first tee and goes, "What's going to happen today?" And that's part of the fun, I think. Yeah, I, I just want to wrap up by saying how cool having a truly international PGA Draftcast. We've got Sia Eastern Time Zone. We had Spence in Vegas Pacific Time Zone. We've got me here in New Zealand in the morning and then Tom in the UK at, at the yeah, midnight now, isn't it? So yeah. um, thank you so much, Tom, for um, staying up late and joining us on the show. It's been a pleasure and just love your expertise that you bring. Been loving listening to you on the, the tips on the, the official DP World Tour podcast as well. It's been been awesome. So been a admirer from afar for, for quite some time and, and great to have you on the show. I appreciate you taking the time to come out. No, it means a lot. And as I say, it's really, you know, really grateful that you guys are flexible. You know, as you said, their time zones are difficult. And I think sometimes we use them as a stumbling block, right, to not get together and, and have conversations with this. But certainly for Scottish Opens and Open Championships, it's important. So really pleased to make my PJ Draftcast, uh, you know, debut. I really enjoyed it. I can't wait for the next one already. Uh, Sia, thank you very much for hosting. David, thank you for inviting me on and, and orchestrated it the way you did. And it was great to, to have you, to have someone to bounce off these DP World Tour picks, I think has uh, been really exciting. Yeah, and no, that, I apologize for ahead. taking Ross Fisher. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> you you should as well. Like I, I'm, I feel bad about that one. But hey, look. you got the you got to have at least one of those happen to <laughs> yeah, you exactly. as a as a newcomer to the show because it happens all the time. But the fact that it was Ross Fisher at 6300 that that was the guy you were uh, hanging on to is uh, it's pretty funny that it happened to be him. But these things happen. You'll find that out, Tom, next time you come back on this show. This has been uh, the PGA Draftcast International. There's only one thing left to do. Sports. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.